Hello. How you doing? Welcome. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we are here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. As we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, and I work at a busy birth center. Good job, Kim. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Meredith Rowell, and I have a home birth practice here in Winchester, Virginia. And I'm Jess McKee. I am a doula and also a birth assistant. Yeah, you are. <laughs> So, guys, we have a pretty um, pretty big subject today, yeah. um, but before we, like, get into that, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, do a little bit of, like, a rewind <laughs> to episode, I know we do, to episode two when we talked about oh, that seems so long ago. orgasmic birth. Ah, oh, the unicorn. The unicorn of birth. So I found an article today or oh yesterday God, so about <laughs> other people who were having orgasms during like uh, pelvic exams or whatever. And it's so a I, thing. I sent it over to Kim, but one of the things in the article was this mom who she was having her first pap smear ever and she had never had an orgasm before. Oh. And she totally had an orgasm. <laughs> During her first pap smear ever, but at the peak of her orgasm, she farted. <laughs> and then so she, similar to birth. And then she said it smelled so bad and it wouldn't go away. What did the How many is, years passed before she felt safe sharing this with the and world? She said she never went back to that doctor again. <laughs> That's mortifying. I'm surprised I, that uh, that. OB didn't like or G, who was it a GYN or OB? I think it was an OBGYN. Pod, start a podcast around that story. <laughs> oh like my. you can literally build a podcast around that. Like we're doing. I know, I know. But if that Farts. happened to me, like ten years would pass, and I would probably tell that story every time I drank anything. <laughs> 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 remember, this one time during a pap. Remember also, that I time? Also, I tell freaking pap smears. Like ooh. ooh. <laughs> remember that time that I farted? <laughs> I have been farted on so many times. Yeah. Most moms fart, and it's really just a fart. There's usually like other things going on too that mm-hmm. make it really dramatic. But a it's fart a and an orgasm that I I yeah. never had <laughs> never <that>. no. <laughs> and the first time it does, I hope I'm there in the room with you so that we cannot look at each other. I hope on not. That's purpose. breaking all the rules of our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you usually like tense, tense up right? and not release? Well, maybe it was her first, so she was just like she didn't know what was really going on. Really open, was so <laughs> <laughs> <Just> like oh, <laughs> wasn't there more? In that there article. was, but I thought that that was the funniest <laughs> part of it, so I just wanted to lead off with that. Um, fart stories are great, but actually, that's a little thing about Jess that you guys don't know is she finds fart jokes funnier than my children, but and she doesn't actual, fart. actual fart, she doesn't it's fart. The irony of it is she doesn't fart, but she loves fart jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it just so makes me laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> but today, so talking about that, we have a we have a pretty um pretty heavy subject where you're talking about VBAC. So for everyone out there who might not know what that means, that means vaginal birth after cesarean. It's actually like a pretty big thing Hot in the topic. medical community. Yeah. yeah. Like whether people should have vaginal births divisive. after cesareans. Um, Cause it used to always be once a cesarean, always a cesarean. Yeah. I just read an article online that said that term, like once a cesarean, always a cesarean. Yeah. It's been around since cesareans were yeah. mm-hmm. like invented or started. For a long time. Since like the 1800s. And there's just so much information out there that today we're really just like, it's like just the tip. We're just skimming. <laughs> just <laughs> the There's tip. so much. We couldn't even like begin to choose. There's so what much that we couldn't about. get it all in. <laughs> so, so we did some research and we're going to drop some facts, but um, 
like Kim was saying, there's, there's no so, way yeah. that we can cover everything there is to cover about this subject in just one one hour episode. Um, so we mostly just want to start a conversation. Yeah, especially like this for me. This episode got started because a friend of mine is trying mm-hmm. to attempt a VBAC, and there's just so much misinformation out there. There I really, really want to start a conversation around it for people. Yeah, and I really saw that when we um, put our Instagram and our Facebook posts up about people's experiences with VBACs and their providers, and there was so much um, people commenting like, well, my doctor said this, and so I did this. Like, so much misinformation. Mm -hmm. Like, they said there was risks, and so we decided not to do it um, without even hearing the other side, which we can delve more into. Which harkens back to informed consent. What was the rate rate of women that you found today that could not find a provider to even offer them a VBAC? I know you're probably going to get into that, but since we are mentioning it. I a little blue piece of paper. Well, it says that 74% who attempt a VBAC will have a vaginal birth, which is a super nice. high number that mm-hmm. I don't think anybody I've ever met who's attempted a VBAC has heard from a provider. No. Um, like, I think when I was talking to my friend the other day, I think her provider told her that it was 2%. Well, didn't did you also, though, say that Virginia's rate is only 12%? It's 12.2%. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Whereas in Colorado, it's 22.19%, which is the highest in the country, which is still not that no. high. Um, but the one you wanted to know was 39% of women who want a VBAC can't find a supportive provider. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Mm. Um, so before we really dig into this, though, oh, um, what are we drinking? Oh, yeah. yeah. So important. Well, I'm drinking water and I did sip what we're drinking. I'm still off call and we were gifted by a client of all of ours. Um, They gave us. We love you. We love you so much. Um, And Gary. We kind of love you as well. Yeah. Yeah. He went all the way to Leesburg for this. So (laughs) we really love you, Gary. He has been telling me about it at every appointment. Yes. Um, (laughs) So they gifted us with some Viking. Blood yes. mead, which is mead. stronger than your average mead. It's nineteen yeah. <laughs> percent. Holy moly! He was like, "Please put this in a wine glass and sip it." Yeah, during this the is. Podcast. He kept saying, "Sip." This it's, is sipping wine. Yeah. Delicious. It's fantastic. It's got hibiscus. Yeah, so delicious. Honey and hops. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Chuck and I um, toasted to mead at our wedding. Of course you did. So long, long ago. Also, Chuck had a sword on his back for your wedding, which I didn't realize until the last five years. Mead is also near and dear to me and my husband's hearts because we go to Ireland and every time we go to the castle dinners and they have all you can drink mead and we usually end up naked in a lake. Wait, or (laughs) fields. One or the other fields, a lake, both, anywhere, dropping glasses. It's, you know, things happen. The huge. When the, when the mead hits the fan. <laughs> um, That's another t-shirt. Wait for it. Yeah. But today's episode is sponsored by uh, Chelsea Felty Photography. Um, and so we're super excited for her to be sponsoring this episode about VBACs because we, a sister, I helped her during her VBAC after two cesareans. And mm-hmm. so this subject is near and dear to her heart. And she's also an amazing photographer. And she is near and dear to our hearts. So yeah. much. I love um, her so much. So she does amazing work. talking more about her photography during um, our regularly our scheduled break. Sc- <laughs> break. I just want to throw in a little accidental. I listened to one of our podcasts and I had said 
because I am horrible with words that I don't have time to talk to Maria. And I felt like an asshole. And oh. Maria, I love you. And what I was saying was at our... Kim's not allowed to do this. She will literally apologize no, for 20 just minutes one every time. episode. I, I meant at the party, I didn't have time to talk to her because of the kids oh. and everything. So I'm sorry, Kim, Maria. you're literally the only person that interpreted it the way okay, you Okay, well, that's how I felt when I listened to myself. All right, get such a big Moving deal. on. I know, such her guilt complex is... I, no, I don't have a heart. I have guilt. Go. Moving so on. So what did you guys do <laughs> this week? We're sitting here <laughs> drinking Vikings blood mead. I'm off call, so... Oh, yeah. I went up to visit friends in West Virginia and went hiking yes. in the icy rain, Yay, and it was amazing. Ew. Icy rain sounds awful to me. There's yeah. this place called Canadian Valley where I'm pretty sure it's basically like the highlands of the United States. Yeah. Like People go out in whatever weather's happening and like run and bike, and they're really intense, but it's really beautiful. Did you run into Jamie Fraser while you were there? I kept wandering in the woods, like, trying to find big <laughs> stones to throw myself yeah. at, but it didn't work out that way. Same by a sexy Scott. <laughs> Is that what all those bruises are up yeah. and down? <laughs> I'm on the last book, so I don't know what's going to happen with my life when I'm uh, done. I literally just walked in the door from New York. I've been traveling all day, so I spent the weekend um, watching movies and... Getting lots of skincare products. Yes. <laughs> Getting skincare products <laughs> and sitting in the hot tub. Hot tub. Um, and spending time with my family. Yay. So um, also off call. So that was great. What about you, Kim? Did you have a good week? I did. I Up spent until. a lot. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, um, I've had so much time with my family. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, last night, this poor mom came in yesterday morning, and then I sent her home this morning without a baby in her arms. It is still oh, in her uterus. Thing. So she's she's pretty uh, ready, ready to yeah. go. That but yeah, hard. I had a great week. I will not be, I, I'm tasting the mead, but I don't get to indulge. We were like warned we should only really taste it anyway. Yeah. So you did pretty, some, pretty small pores for everyone. Because it's strong. The forces strong like that mean. like a hot biking yeah. oh my gosh all i can think about is like braids <laughs> i missed you guys so much right i now. missed you guys so much while i was gone though you have no idea like, we do because we're connected we I took a lot of videos did yeah. you get our video of us singing oh i didn't yeah. send it no, oh I didn't my god that, but my heart was so sad when i got the picture of you guys together at the brewery <laughs> i saw yeah. that kim actually oh my god i went out i, kim went out. I went out and I actually told her not to take the picture because jess is gonna be so upset but she I wasn't like, upset no i got on Friday <laughs> when I went out with my friend Nikki. Oh, that's right. Oh, she went out twice. Yeah, I went out. out. And I was like, what is happening? You never go out. And I danced a little yeah. bit and we just had so much fun. Yeah. Hey, Nikki. So, okay. I think that's enough about our week yes. and what's going on. Um, so let's get into talking all about V-backs. There's so much. Go ahead. Um, so we decided to open this episode with a transition. So our last episode was about dads writing in their perspective of birth. And because we are so well supported by all of the dads in our lives, we didn't get to read all of them. So we have another one for you today, which is a V-back story. Mm. Um, I'm gonna I'm not going to focus on the V-back part because the funny part is actually at the end. So I'm going to jump right in and paraphrase. So jump right in. No, it's dive right in. <clears throat> dive right in. Dive right in. Like a muff. <laughs> On that note, unfortunately, <laughs> my wife and I had to learn the hard way that having our first baby at the hospital was a terrible experience. My wife labored 12 hours with my son and took every pharmaceutical the nurse pushed on her. We regrettably didn't do enough research and ended up having to do a C-section to get my son out safely. After getting pregnant with our daughter, roughly two years later, we knew we didn't want to go the traditional route of having her at the hospital again. After some discussion, we decided to speak with a midwife. Then this lovely human talks about Kim and I and how much we love them and... 
just as their doula, and it was fantastic. And, and we love them. And we um, love them. Equally. They felt good about having us as their providers. <clears throat> so they planned on having their baby at home in a birth pool. The day finally came. My wife had planned her birth to a T. She's a little mm-hmm. type A. We love her. Just a she little. labored so beautifully. Ugh. Also, a side note: this is our third birth that day. I wasn't able to go. Yeah, yeah. so Kim didn't, so didn't make it. Justin didn't make it, it because so we, we were all at two other births that day. Yeah, so she was what, the third mom. That, that was like birth mageddon. So <laughs> this is our V back mom. So we're like, oh, it's gonna take a while. Like labor comfortably at home we'll see you later and they kept being like no things are happening it's really intense we're like okay like i'm so sorry we'll get there as soon as we can but like you're doing a great job yeah keep going um and come to find out it was going so fast and Mm. so kim and jess did labor all day not feeling like she needed help and then all and then all of a sudden she was like yeah that's true yeah Yeah. my baby i can see my baby's head please help me yeah (laughs) not quite that far but so close so kim and jess had to stay here and with another mom and i like flew all the way up to their house in the middle of the night i actually felt really bad. I cut your mom off because she was driving so slow. I love you, Jess's mom. She was getting lost driving in circles. So Jess's mom was Jessica's backup doula. So so anyways, I passed her, cut her off, get to the house, and then I'll go back into the story. So um, contractions came and my wife worked through them like a boss. Yeah, she did. Meredith arrived when my wife was in the birthing pool and gloved up. Moments later, she's asking me if I want to feel my baby's head. Oh my God. I was there for about two minutes. I barely got my gloves on. Love it. I was stunned by the question at first, but said yes and reached in the water to feel my baby's hairy little head. She has glorious blonde curls now. So she's so so beautiful. Then Meredith is telling Allie to give a big push and telling me to get ready to catch. The next thing I know, the baby, my baby girl is born and on my wife's chest. My wife and daughter were both doing perfectly. So after a few minutes, we go to move them to our bed. On the way out of the birthing tub, the placenta <laughs> came out kind of unexpectedly, which was very weird to me, but is normal from what I know now. <laughs> we had a lot of conversations about that <laughs> afterwards. What is that? <laughs> um, my daughter was weighed and measured. Then we toasted her birthday with mimosas. Um, once Cheers. the midwives and I started to clean up, we realized I'd forgotten to hook up the drain tube to the birthing tub prior to filling it when my wife start- first started laboring. So birthing tubs are like the man's quintessential job That's of your job. home births. And Bruce's defensive. <laughs> So we, oh, sorry. I always said his name. <laughs> he also said her name. We might bleep that out. Um, Just bleep it. And I think, actually don't think he minds. We've worked through him talking about this story a lot, so I think it's fine. But, yeah. But he also had to be her doula, her birth support, her midwife, because we got there last minute. So yeah. I get that. Well, <laughs> true, true. But I was just saying, not in his case, but it's like, I feel like men love like love like having that job. that job because it's mm-hmm. like, gives them something concrete that's helpful. But there's, it always has something that goes wrong too. Like, oh, we don't have the right connector for the hose. Or like, oh, we don't have the right connector to get the water out of the birth pool. Yeah, it's always something. It's never, I mean, yeah. it, it usually ends up working out. Yeah. I did recently learn but... from Nikki that if you don't have the right connector, you just put the, use duct tape. A client, you just that, yep. tape the duct tape. That's but that's kind of what our client that whose birth we missed did to get oh, the, yeah. the thing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So have some duct tape. So he gets a little hazy in this part because I think he wants me to tell this part of the story because for like we're really good friends now because he introduced me to my fiance. Hey. Um, and it took a really long time before I could tell this story to people, but now he's okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets a little hazy. So I'm going to like add some things in. Um. Once the midwives and I started to clean up, we realized, oh, we did that part already, sorry. My wife birthed our daughter in this 150 gallons of water that had to be disposed of now 10 to 15 minutes before. 
because things were already wrapping up and we're like walking out the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, we discussed peeling it out, but I ultim- un- ultimately decided that I would siphon it out with a hose to get it done <laughs> as clean and as fast as possible. With his mouth. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he says, leave your imagination with the rest, but I'm going to fill it in. So he said this to me. He was like, I could mouth siphon it. And I was like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> Don't you dare. And he was like, no, really, I can do it. And I was like, I mean, it's all you, dude. Like, if you want to do it, go for it. But I'm leaving the room. And so he <laughs> walks out into the yard with the hose. <laughs> oh, God. And poor thing. Okay, so I would like to... Also, her placenta came out in the tub. So, I mean, like... Oh. It's bloody. It was a mess. Yeah. Um, He got it the first time, but obviously he had a very, like, shocked response to what was in his mouth. And so oh. he lost it. <laughs> and then he had to he do it again. <laughs> Kim, didn't your brother siphon yes. your birth pool with his mouth? Oh, my God, he did. Listen, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but yes, Brian did yeah. just that. And, so, I, and he's to this dad, you're not mm-hmm. the only one. No. To any no. dads, you're At not the only one. At least it was your wife. Um, yeah, so I had so much respect for this guy after that. And yeah, we for sure. And really good friends, and now we have game nights on a regular basis. Yay. I'm really thankful that you're sharing your story now because it's a beautiful story, and you're a boss just like yeah. your wife. And, mm-hmm. and, so let's, and, and it was a V-back. So let's use her story of being a successful V-back to, like, bounce into our um, – bounce with me, bounce oh, with me. me. Right um, right bounce right into right our actual thing about talking about V-backs. And so, like, what did she do? She she always to prepare to have a successful VBAC. Education. Yeah. Also, and a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. What are some things that like get in the way of successful VBACs for not just this person, but the general population? Um, And are those things like something that people should have to deal with or should it? What are you guys laughing about? (laughs) Oh, I didn't look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Just let it out or it's, it's it gonna go. linger. I can't. It's inappropriate. Oh god! This podcast is nope. about. <laughs> it must be really inappropriate. Ignore me when I cover my. She's literally crying. <laughs> She's tearing up. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Moving on. So what? What is helpful? So talking about are those things that should get in the way of a person who wants to have a VBAC having a VBAC and some of the misconceptions about VBACs <laughs> that get in the way. <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. Could you repeat that? Did you say, <laughs> say that You have to cut time? that out. No, you have to keep that in. It's not. <laughs> and it was exploding it's out of me. <laughs> like semen. <laughs> and a firework going in five directions. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going just gonna to just go right back into it. It's, it's interesting that she said the first time they didn't do research into like hiring a midwife. interventions not even as a midwife but it could be like even a different provider in the hospital that and, and the interventions that can happen mm-hmm. and whether those things are needed because if you don't do that in advance you show up there and they and yeah. you might get offered an intervention that sounds ideal ideal but it might actually not be and yeah. you can't figure that out until after or having a shula who actually is not specializes and has experiences with VBACs who can like help you navigate that situation yeah. also. Because v- sometimes you can't control your provider. Yeah. And because accomplishing a VBAC, it's not just the physical part of it because birth, like we talk about in almost every podcast, birth is so mental and emotional that um, VBACs come with a whole other set of emotional things of knowing, mm-hmm. to, like wondering, is their body going to work? Like, right. can they do it? What's going to happen? And it, it does, it is a, an extra hurdle to get over into having 
a successful VBAC because there's all that that doubt, that doubt well, and, and worry saying, about like, it. Like one of the things I wanted to point out, and you just said it. Like I'm, I'm, I get tired of hearing that our OB community, the hospital community, is to blame for our C-section rate or yeah. or providers in general yeah. because our women are not educating themselves. So our, my women are educating themselves, yeah. but I'm tired of hearing like, no, I didn't give up the McDonald's and the fried food, and no, I will not exercise. But I read that I deserve a VBAC, and you're going to do it for me. And yeah. she's uneducated; she doesn't have any. And that's true from one perspective, but there's also the perspective that there are a lot of hospitals out there that are offering very unnecessary interventions mm-hmm. um, without real reasons for doing them. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest ones would be um, inductions. Like, they're getting better about, like, not doing inductions before 39 weeks. But if you take a person and do an induction at 39 weeks, most moms are going to have a hard time being yeah. induced at 39 weeks. Like, well, I, oh, my God, we're disagreeing. But you're having a baby. Do some fucking research. Like, no, it's yeah. your body and your baby, and you're just walking in going, I'll do whatever you say. But and then like, you're upset about what happens. Like, you're having a baby. You, we can't drive a car without taking a year-long class yeah. and taking 400 tests, but anyone can give birth. But I think we're also trained in this culture to trust uh, when it comes to going to the hospital mm-hmm. to trust, trust what our provider. doctor says and what their provider says. So if you walk in and, and they say... To, like, as women, like, to doubt your body, too. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah. these providers who we are raised to trust are now triggering one of the, like, deepest doubts of... And we've heard all these horror stories. Like, ability to do something. Yeah. It's so a it's new age. easy and... It's a new age. Educate yourself. Yeah. And we've heard all these horror stories about births gone wrong. And so then your doctor who you don't have a reason not to trust says hey you need to be induced at blah 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 weeks because of this and then you research it later when you've had a bad experience and you realize that was not an actual um, medical reason for an induction but Um, they don't give you any choice like the language around it like for me like I said the reason that this episode is important to me because of a friend of mine trying to be back right now like Mm -hmm. she showed me the list of of like things that she has to do or things that conditions that have to be in place for her to have a VBAC with the VBAC friendly yeah. provider in Northern Virginia. And it's insane. Like, so why don't we the go, amount of research, like, why don't the, we go over some of those lists mm-hmm. right now? And then we can talk about some of the, our experiences with each of those things in that list. In and she birth. also has a right to then not use that provider. Right. But the only other provider in that area, that's the, this is the, that's what I wanted to say is like, even if you are educated, you have to find a provider in your area who's going to support mm-hmm. you. And that's not, really I'm finding Northern Virginia that's not a thing it's like, not really easy the to do other that. the other big provider in this area will only do a VBAC if you already did one with them mm-hmm. or if they and did then, your cesarean right I'm sorry yeah, yeah. or if you did their cesarean so with them. then the question is why aren't more women moving out of the hospital is it because they're ingrained to think it's not safe I is think it it's because financial they don't trust a lot of times which financial. isn't necessarily a good reason with well, for some people, it's a really, it's an actual really big reason. Um, and, and I do think that uh, we have been trained to kind of think that birthing out of the hospital is this like really like crazy thing to do. Yeah. For the most part, it takes people to like quite a learning process to feel comfortable with that. Right. Like, I mean, it's less than 1% people birth out of the hospital. Yeah. Like, even though like we understand our research and things like the broader population doesn't yeah. really have access to that information unless they choose to. But even people like that are high risk and, and wouldn't be good birthing out of the hospital. There's a lot of people that are high risk and should be birthing in the hospital, but that should still have a, a good shot at getting a VBAC and not be offered unnecessary interventions right. or, or pressured in to unnecessary interventions 
because they have other risk factors. Especially when those parameters aren't founded in research. Yeah. So that, what are some of the rules? Yeah, let's go over some of these rules. And this is from an actual hospital close to us, mm-hmm. um, a list of rules that was given um, to VBAC there. And I want to say, too, like when I was talking to Kim and Jess about this when I first saw it because I was like so surprised – in in this area, this isn't necessarily our experience of VBAC with providers. Like no. I actually told my no, friend, no, no. come down here to birth because yeah. yes, there are a lot of barriers to it, but we find that there's actually a lot more access to it down in this area versus Northern yeah. Virginia. Even at the Winchester Hospital where we do most of our births, like I've had lots of VBACs there and mm-hmm. lots of providers that do give evidence-based care and give a mom every shot possible to have a VBAC. Winchester and then, actually does really well. Yeah. I showed up in Winchester with a VBAC 2C that wasn't even their patient because because she was laboring fast, and they were totally like, "Okay, Great, so we're gonna have a VBAC two C, mm-hmm. which, which is supported a, by ACOG. which is a VBAC after two cesareans." But if we had showed up at another hospital that wasn't supportive of that, they would have coerced her or almost forced her into a repeat cesarean, even though she was planning a a VBAC. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just want to reiterate too, like this list. The moms have to sign this to even get into care with this provider. Like you can't go through and edit it. Like you have to sign this. Um, and this is the VBAC friendly provider in Northern Virginia. Pick out the most ridiculous ones. That yeah. You found so to I want to I want to concentrate on that. That that this is the person who is considered VBAC friendly. There. What yeah. What does that mean? Compared so VBAC friendly means like they're like the you're ones open that to they're the ones that people yeah. who want VBAC go if to. You do what they say. So I'm VBAC friendly if you'll toss informed consent out the window and do yeah. whatever I want yeah. you to. So That's the first cool. one is you will be examined at 38 weeks to determine if your cervix is ripe at 38 weeks or ready yeah. for labor. Whose so cervix ready is ready for, the, for labor? Ready for the language around this ready. I will determine this and will not allow an attempt of vaginal delivery if the cervix is unripe by your due date. If the cervix is ripe, you may elect to wait until 41 weeks for delivery by cesarean section. So why, what is the check at 38 weeks for if he's yeah. making the determination at 40 weeks? Well, no, no it's like, if, what is if the... If it's what ripe, is, if if it's, it's ripe, she can wait till 41, but, but to have if it's a C-section, not... Only to have a C-section. Oh, but she could go into labor before then. No, because he'll make you have a he'll make you have a C section at thirty eight at thirty eight weeks if your cervix isn't right. Yes, at 38 but if weeks, it is right, that's what it says. If, if it's it not right at thirty eight weeks, if it is right, you will you not can, allow a vaginal delivery. But if it is right, you wow. can wait until forty one weeks to, to go have into a labor. C-section. No, to go into labor and then have a C section at forty one. That's what I got from it anyway. It but says will not allow an attempt of vaginal delivery if the cervix is, is unright not, by yes. your due date. Okay, so, yeah. Um, but, the but thing then you with have this, to get past that 38-week yeah, marker. Which most people, like... Even after more than one baby. Yeah. Sci- I mean, this is not scientific at all because you can have a completely um, closed, long cervix that you can go into labor and have a baby the next day. Or yeah. in six hours. Or you can have a mom who walks around with a ripe cervix that's four centimeters dilated for weeks, weeks and weeks. Yeah. yeah. Or five. That's completely unfounded. Well, it's also like, like what, what does that mean? Like, I wonder if a mom asks, like, what does right mean? I, like, what is yeah. the response to that? Like, I think what most is the moms are so happy that they found a VBAC friendly, air quote, provider. Yeah. They're not really paying attention to the rules. Well, and so then this language, like, this is one of the things that bugs me the most. I don't know if it's because I'm a rebel at heart and I hate the word allow, but it, like makes me crazy. So where he said, I will allow you to, it's like, who you're not my daddy. Like, you can actually yeah. walk into the hospital yeah. and refuse a yeah, cesarean right. right up until the like, second your baby dies. That's what we're talking about. It's like going up to a, like it'd be better off to getting a hospital list because yeah. then you're like you don't have this like contract you signed. But how scary but how scary is that, especially for a mom who's in a place of 
like you're not in a, a mental place to stick up for yourself. And you are also, if you've heard all these things about dangers, you're worried about your baby because it's not like these people are to th- like throwing safety to the wind, obviously. Right. Well, this stat really, su- like it didn't surprise me, but I thought it was really interesting too, talking about like talking about risks and benefits. Um, like when doctors are talking about repeat C-sections, 77% discuss uh, for most of the time about the benefits of a repeat C-section, but only 38% discuss the risks. Yeah, so that was one of... What site was that on? So that was on... So while you're looking that up... I think it was... That that was evidence-based birth. So so that was one of my... um, One of the comments I got on our post about cesarean when we were posting to prepare for this episode is that one of the moms said... Um, I had the right to choose um, to try and be back, but my provider told me there were risks to it. And so that's a whole other thing. It's like if you're only pre- presented that VBAC has risks and then it makes it seem like cesarean doesn't a repeat cesarean does not have risks. Right. It makes you sound irresponsible to choose to VBAC. It's right. like you're putting your experience above your babies. And that's a, that's a lot of a thing that we've heard in our culture. Like, you're you're being selfish choosing your experience over your baby's life, um, but but you need for true informed consent you need to show the the risks of a repeat cesarean um, against the risks of a trial of labor for right. a VBAC. Well, to counter that too, so when providers are discussing VBACs, only thirty seven percent discuss the benefits yeah. of a VBAC. Exactly. Whereas seventy seven percent are discussing the benefits of a repeat yeah. C section. Despite ACOG exactly. recommending a trial of labor. And I did right. watch here and see that was two of the same thing. A doctor yeah. said one of the nurses said, well, actually ACOG recommends a trial of labor. And he said, well, ACOG's not here. I am. So she can do it herself or not at all. Yeah. It's just, that's just what he chose. It's but just so it, subjective. And it comes to with like, informed consent, like we talked with about. informed consent. And it also comes down to the mentality of it that this mom said. So since he said that it had risks, we chose a repeat cesarean. Um, so it's like, it, it comes down to, again, it's not true informed consent. If you don't, if you don't know the other side to it. Um, yeah. And she and she even said, if we have another baby, we'll have another repeat cesarean because we haven't had problems. But then there was other moms saying, like, we wish we could have done that. And our provider said that it wasn't okay. Yeah. And so... And, and it, unfortunately, like you said, it's, like, such a common story. Like, moms go through that experience and realize how bad it is. And that's when they start seeking out resources and research. Yeah. And so, like... Well, I know. I guess it's like the hope is that people are seeking out that information before yeah. they even get to that point. Like educate. You have to be educated to make decisions. And why is it that people can choose to ask for a trial of labor and ACOG recommends that, but the risk of cesarean or repeat cesarean are so high, they're higher yeah. than the risks of a VBAC, but anyone can say, I choose a repeat cesarean. Yeah. Yep. So we're allowed to put ourselves at higher risk because that's what people are comfortable with. Just right. like yes. they used to be comfortable with cutting episiotomies for everyone. Yep. So Until be- they found out it wasn't. Right. So because it's their comfort level, I can choose to put myself at risk, but I can't choose to trial of labor. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it just makes you wonder, yeah. like, how many decades did it take for episiotomies to fall out of style when it, the research A long showed. time. So it's like, yeah. is it going to take that long for VBACs? But we have so much access well, to we'll information cir- now. There's we're no still reason why it should be so. so. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Um, and then, it, I mean, it's also... I just totally forgot what I was about to say. <laughs> that that <laughs> so information we just threw at you is so <laughs> profound. You I'm forgot what you were saying. So I'm just, like, so warm right uh, now. Uh, I don't know if I'm just, oh, like, then amped also, up or if it's the me. <laughs> I remember now. Also, I don't think people realize that 
each successive cesarean gets more riskier. So a primary right. cesarean, which is the first cesarean you have, is the least risky one. And every cesarean you have after that increases your risks for the actual surgery, but also for complications in successive pregnancies. So there's right. a big problem right now with moms getting um, placenta creta placenta per creta, which is when the placenta attaches... Accreta, accreta, tomato, accreta, tomato. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I say accreta. Also. Per creta, per creta, whatever. Um, it's when the placenta attaches all the way through the uterine wall, and then it can become a per creta. Is that mm-hmm. how it's said? Where then it can also go on to attach to, like, your bladder and your intestines. And this is a super life-threatening condition. Like, there's a lot of moms still dying because... Of placenta accreta and, yeah. and per, uh, like I had you a say it how you like it. That's yeah, right. it's okay. You, just say it how oh, you I like you it. Like it. Say it how you want. Yeah, I like saying <laughs> I like saying accreta. <laughs> I don't know how I turn that into a sexual thing, but you turn it everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and in fact, I have a I have somebody that I know that's a friend of mine that had placenta accreta and had to like travel all the way from here to Texas to have her baby and could have died and it usually comes with a hysterectomy and risk of bleeding Mm -hmm. and like a lot of moms still die from that like so it's a big deal to then and all moms should be made aware of that when they have a cesarean right it's just like informed consent like you need to know the percentage of risk with any condition associated with your choice and as a provider and you will say and you like we understand that there are moms that do need a cesarean oh yeah yeah Yeah. so we're not at all are we saying that cesareans are not necessary ever. So we, we see it, we support moms, we cry when they have a cesarean, but, but, not all cesareans are necessary, and these rules are. Kind and that's of, why that and was that's just the why, first one. Um, that was just the first one. We and could that's talk why about that one forever. ACOG has been making a big push to get doctors to lower the rate of primary cesareans, mm-hmm. so that they're yep, so, so that, decrease for but they're not really working on lowering the rate of well, of secondary cesareans, but. If you lower the rate of primary cesareans, you're, you're lowering the automatically rate of lower the cesarean risk, yeah. sections altogether. One of the things that used to be huge was like how was the the uterus closed, like yeah. the double single suture thing. Yep. And now the research is showing it doesn't make a difference. And in Winchester, I know that they will allow a VBAC for a mom that didn't have the double Look. suture. You know, yeah. so it's just we're learning so much, but to get yep. people in and out of hospital providers to learn like the actual facts instead of just going with what they're comfortable with. So what's another one? Yeah. Another one that really catches the eye is chaps the asshole. Go on. I need Um, some chapstick. You will be scheduled for repeat (laughs) C-section on a date, not past your due date. So you don't even make it to your due date for your scheduled for a one. So how, so he just like, or I'm not, I'm just saying he, I'm choosing a pronoun. I'm assuming it's But some, the I other one said, days. the other one said, wait till 41 weeks. Um, this to, is just saying you'll have your date before your yeah, due date. Yeah, but this was No, saying, I think it's saying you the, the last will be scheduled said, before your due date. The last one said that if your cervix is right at 38 weeks, you can wait till 41. And this rule saying you're going to get a, a scheduled cesarean 
no further than your due date. So like it's actually rules, she's right. It could be interpreted as like the rules you'll be scheduled even, before your due date for a C-section potentially past your due what date. What is his success rate? Like, I don't know. I think didn't we say it was like 1% or something? What? Well, that's what he told my client. Oh my god. 2%. Or okay, Premier Birth Center okay. just FYI, 92%. Yeah. So ready, you must go into labor spontaneously and be in the active phase of labor which is now 6 centimeters. By your due date. According to ACOG, six centimeters. If you do and not. active contractions, you will right? be yeah. You will proceed to delivery by cesarean section. So if you're not mm. six centimeters having regular contractions by your due date, you are automatically C-section. This is what? such bullshit. Insanity. Yeah, it's real. It's really insanity. And it also keeps making... It, it's it, it keeps making going past your due date seem like something that's not normal. Right. When There's it, already such a culture of like yeah. stress and fear around a due date when in reality, like first time moms, 41 and three. That's average. normal. It's so totally average. Normal. Yeah. yeah. And not everyone can afford out of hospital birth or are comfortable with it. So it's, no. it's just such, it's just bullshit. It's all bullshit. All of it's crazy. Another, um, some of the ones that, Yeah. I'll just keep, I'll just list a couple. So you will receive an epidural. So you have to have an epidural. Oh, let's talk about that one. So what raises the risks of a primary C-section in the first place? An epidural. I feel like epidural is one of them. Can, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. So, so we're going to just start out with one now yep. and hope to lower your chance of a C-section. But, they, but this person doesn't really care if they lower your chance of a C-section. Clearly. This is just like the bait and switch. It's like, yeah, you can have, an, you can have a V-back totally if you do. What la, la, I la, say. La, 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 and if la, your la. panties are green, you are fucked, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> that is the wrong color. Unless it happens to be St. Patty's Day when you go into labor and then maybe you <laughs> have a 1% chance of having a no, V-back. No, it's 0% because I'll be out drinking. So then you're just yeah. going to have to have a cesarean, which whatever hospitals is on call. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We should probably say these are not the rules that we're reading. <laughs> yeah. That was the spiral. But they're just as fucking <laughs> stupid, so we might as well just add them. Yeah. Um, if your water breaks before you're in an active labor, it's an automatic C-section. Holy. Wow. Yeah, mackerel. I've had some of, some of my most beautiful births with prom. Yeah. Prom. Yeah. Um, at prom. It's not at prom. <laughs> That's premature. Um, we went to the prom and delivered some babies. I had my baby at the prom. <laughs> they were playing, Watch out, Marriott. They were playing the remix to Ignition in the background. Or Pony. It's premature yeah, rupture Sorry, that's the membranes. song that was big during my prom, but I realize it's not politically correct anymore. <laughs> Don't sing it. Yeah. Don't get us in. We haven't even hit 10 episodes. We just told you not to. Don't sing it. Don't get us hated before we okay, even get out okay. there. <laughs> Sorry, this was a long time ago. It was before uh, it was before all that stuff happened. It also just says if you're considered high risk that it's on my C section, but it doesn't tell you what those risks are. So it could really What's just be like so it's open for interpretation. Yeah. Um you have to have continuous monitoring, which I actually that's pretty standard for a VBAC, isn't yeah. it? Continuous yeah. mm-hmm. monitoring. I yeah, I don't feel like that's totally, like, uncalled for, yeah. especially since most monitors can now, like, even though it has been proven that um, continuous monitoring can increase your risk of a C-section, most of the monitors now can go in the tub and the shower and whatnot. And which is amazing. Yeah. They have gotten better in hospitals, from my point of view, which is, I don't go to all hospitals, at reading monitors and knowing that a baby's not in, like, total distress over every little D-cell. Okay, this one's one of my favorites. You ready? Ready. You have to have a Foley calf when you go in. Oh, like... For, when you get your epidural or before? It just says, 
When admitted in labor, um, it says you will have a fully bladder catheter inserted on admission in labor. What the wow. hell? Yeah, because they're basically just setting you up. You they're can't like, pee we're just going to scoot you away for a C-section. They're just doing. So they're doing one little step at a time. Yeah. For your C-section, but it's also it's also taking away all of your dignity Mm -hmm. because me sitting here right now, the thought of getting catheterized is like well, it's just what is that? I've been catheterized before. It's not fun. Yeah, it's like expediting the cascade of intervention. That's worse than farting during an orgasm with your pap. (laughs) I would much rather fart during an orgasm than my pap. If I ever get a pap, you're gonna do it, Kim. So watch out. Not if you're gonna (laughs) fart on me. You know I would never (laughs) fart on you. That's because you don't fart. I do. You and yeah, my mom are the two people on the planet that never fart. And if fart. I felt one coming on, I would be off of that table in the bathroom <laughs> faster than you realize. You would still be sitting there, like, with holding the speculum. Like, what? What Where happened? Did, Where'd the vagina is she go? the flash? Like, what, just, what is going on? <laughs> oh, my God. We have to take a break, and I want to hear all about... All right, about... let's take a break, and then we'll... There's, Wait, there's, do, do, do you have like, another one? Like, yeah, do another I'm one. I'm sorry. It's just, like, so crazy. It okay. is crazy. Let's finish it up, and then and we'll the do thing is, This is our obstetric community. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. All right, I'll just sum it up. So basically it just says... To sum it up. You will accept that there is a risk of fetal and or maternal harm attempting to deliver vaginally after a cesarean section. The degree of risk is difficult to calculate but is greater and in some ways different than the risk of a planned cesarean section. So That's like basically contradicting What does that mean? That's a lie. That's just an outright lie. So Dr. Murray probably hates me more than a bulimic hates her mirror image, but (laughs) I will say... (laughs) I may have said that before. He's a fucking good surgeon, and if your OB cannot do an emergency cesarean mm-hmm. in less than 10 minutes, find someone else. But if this is your version of informed consent... This it's a joke. A That's joke. not informed. Here, let me inform you of my opinions, and then you can consent to them. That's yeah. what that is. It also says you're welcome to seek your prenatal care elsewhere, as oh, opinions about feedback policy go. differ between healthcare practitioners, but basically but, it's like, good luck finding well, someone the, the farther p- pregnant you yeah, get. That's but, the best um, one. That... But I like that rule. No, it is a good one, but then it also scares, it scares people saying, saying like, you're probably not. It would be more difficult slash impossible. They use the word impossible. Yeah, they use the word impossible. Then you find an accepting physician at the on. pregnancy is advanced. Move on. And I guess it sounds easier. It's easier said than done if finances are involved and that's the only person that takes your insurance Within and no like one an else will give you a chance. And I've noticed with my clients that sometimes it's easier if you've had one cesarean, but when you have a client who wants to have a hospital birth or finances are keeping them from not having an out-of-hospital birth, is a huge a huge population huge thing yeah it has been really difficult for my clients to find an in-hospital provider that's willing to do a cesarean or a, a v-back after two cesareans if yeah it's like it's despite ACOG's come reco- to Winchester like, it's a huge the drive. but but I found so like when I took my v-back 2c to Winchester we were just showing up and seeing the hospitalists and they're great compared- and I've well, seen not- I've seen the hospitalists do other things that had that mom signed up for care there probably, or I would say almost certainly would not have happened. Yeah. Um, so those providers may have said something different had she just came to have her, all her regular prenatal care there. It might have been a really different story than when we just show up in labor and see a hospitalist. Yeah, ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, we're hey. having a V-back. And we're just going to advocate the shit out of this. But, yeah. Like, but if you're having a baby, that, that it's, it's so much more than driving a car. Like, get educated. Research yeah. the stats of the hospital, of each provider. Even ACOG recommends, or doesn't recommend, it says guidelines state that women with two previous low transverse cesarean incisions and even women with twins may be appropriate for a trial of labor. So, yeah. like, 
it's it's easy to access this information. Like even ATOG yes. is saying it. Like look Research. for it. Research. Yeah. 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 So um, let's take our break and then we will come back and we. Ooh, I want to talk all about Chelsea. Let's talk about Chelsea. All and about her, her photography. Cue the music. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really, really love this music. Stop laughing at me. Okay, so today's episode is brought to you by Chelsea Felty Photography. Um, Chelsea Felty Photography, she's a fine art photographer serving the northern Shenandoah Valley. She specializes in wedding, newborn, and family portraits. Her end goal is always a fun and stress-free experience that results in joyful and authentic images. And I can tell you from personal experience... That she is a kick-ass photographer that does an amazing She's job. Amazing. I feel like I'm to the point when I walk into clients' houses and see her photos. I'm like, oh, those are Chelsea's. Like, yeah. Could, I don't know. There's just like a oh good God, feeling to them. Yeah. Her last family portrait was done five years ago. It's too long. Oh, but it's it was so by good, her. Though. It's so good. <laughs> she does such a good job. I see she added a note there. She said the reason she's sponsoring today's podcast is, number one, she loves every single one of these ladies uh-huh. talking about us. Me. That's me. No, me. <laughs> That's, uh, and, okay. Um, how dare you. Fine. <laughs> and then uh, she says, these ladies and their podcast is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, stop. That's, we I mean, that's the nicest compliment I don't know if we're gotten. the funniest thing ever, but <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, we're comical. We're pretty great. Um, she said, number two, I loved birth photography and birth work before I had too many kids to juggle logistics. Oh, yeah. And yeah she has three kids three and babysitters yeah. is very hard. Uh, I don't know because she has awesome. That's what Logan. she said. Uh, yeah, her husband's amazing. <laughs> um, and then also number three, she is a V-back after two cesareans, Woo-hoo. Mama. So this topic is super near to her heart. Yeah, and she rocked that V-back. Yeah, you did. All right, so um, I think that our break is coming to an end. We but love yeah. you, Chelsea. We love Check you so out much. Chelsea Felty Photography on her website, um, which I'm not actually sure what that is right now. But also, just you can Google it. Just Google it, and also you can look it up on her Facebook page. All right, this break is coming to an end. Goodbye. And we're back. Okay, <laughs> during during the break, Jessica told the best joke. <laughs> Tell it to the world, Jessica. I saw it on a meme, so I can't really take credit for it. <laughs> but it said a guy was like, I was going to tell you a joke about my penis, but it would be too long. <laughs> and then she responded back, well, I was going to tell you a joke about my vagina. Oh, come on, pussy. She, pussy. Said, pussy. she said pussy. But she wouldn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> and that is a successful meme. I love how you say you didn't p- even need a cat in it. I it was just funny how- as is. Fuck <laughs> that cat. God. That cat. I'm like, I don't, I don't I get like it. I like that cat. I love how Jessica says pussy freely. I like that pussy cat. <laughs> <laughs> but not when we're recording. She's like, I say I vagina. Pussy was a safe word. That's hearsay. Pussy is a power word. You need to use I it. I thought it was the C yeah. word. That was not a safe word. Oh, I don't know. Couch. Um, She's already looking uncomfortable. So yeah. I am right now. She's looking down at the floor like she lost something. Uh, <laughs> so welcome back from our break. Um, so we decided that we were going to take a little break from that really heavy conversation we were having about and talk that, about memes. About <laughs> that BS list of rules. Oh. 
for oh having a V-back, God. which is entirely not based on evidence and, and is probably enti- not that uncommon, unfortunately. Yeah. But every provider does have the right to make their own protocols. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if they hand you those protocols, you need to run far, far away. Read them. Or be like, can I yeah. cross all of these out and write yeah. my own? <laughs> like, like Star Wars it out of there and just be like, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, I had a V-back not here. <laughs> Did you just make that <laughs> yes, up? You did. I did. Just off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, your sleeves don't have cuffs, but no, they don't. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the credit to this Viking blood me. Wow, which I'm about to pour you. Some Thank you. More. No, don't Dana. give her any more. We're not so, following your rules about the mead. Sorry. I, I wanted to talk a little bit. So there's two. So in our community, there's two amazing midwives. They're not actually practicing birth anymore, um, but they are amazing. And that's um, actually R- Zan Ruby oh and my Juliana, 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 Juliana please text or call me back. Yeah. <laughs> please, For the love of God, please, please. answer one of Meredith's texts. <laughs> Maybe it's not Zan Ruby. Actually, it's Ina May. But Zan Ruby's also awesome. So Ina May and Juliana are... They're basically a trio of fantastic Yes, so everybody knows who Ina May is. Um, She's Ina May Gaskin, and she used to run the farm. Um, But she... Are you on a first-name basis with her now? No, but I've met her (laughs) twice, and I'm very... Oh, I didn't know you'd met her. Very proud of it. I went around Juliana's house, like, rubbing my butt on all the surfaces, being like, Ina May might have sat here. Yeah. (laughs) Ina May probably sat here. Yeah. No, I sat next to Ina May for like two full hours. I was the person when she came to Winchester that got to open up the books and hand them to her for her to sign them. Did you like creepily touch her hand every time you did it? So you were Ina May's bitch then. Is that what you're saying? I was and I enjoyed it. You enjoyed every second of it. Yeah, I bent right on over for her. (laughs) (laughs) She probably just like naked like snuggled you from behind being like, you got this. Just hand me the book. It's okay. I was pregnant too. So I soaked it all up. Um, Wait, which pregnancy was it? It was Ren's pregnancy. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, but anyway, so Ina May talks about in her book, The Theory of the, the Sphincter Law, which I actually really clasp our fists. Making tightened fists. So I really believe grips. in sphincter law. Um, Juliana, who is a very close friend of hers, she regularly gives a talk about the three P's. It's and so good. Which Did you is, say it for just about just birth, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. So let's, I'll explain a little bit about what those mean. So the sphincter law basically means that um, when it comes to birth, you have to make the sphincters happy. And the sphincters... Happy sphincters. Happy sphincters, like privacy and quiet. Privacy, quiet, intimacy. So sphincters in your body don't open well unless you feel safe, you have privacy, you feel comfortable. Think about all the times you've tried to poop and your kids are banging on the door screaming for... Exactly. Were you at my house today? Or if you were, or if I, you were, I actually go to your bathroom when I pee, or because yeah. I get away from. Them. Or if you oh, were yes. to try to poop in front of a stranger when you're not in labor, um, or like me who can hold in a fart till like the end of time, till the end of the world, <laughs> because your asshole is a sphincter until the entire Star Wars yeah. series your, is done. Your cervix is also or the Hobbit. Hobbit. Marathon. Your cervix is also a sphincter. So she says that your cervix isn't going to open unless you have all of those elements of safety and privacy and respect and all all that great stuff. Juliana t- gives a talk about the three P's, which is basically pelvis, passenger, and powers, Power. which is contractions, saying that if any one of those things goes wrong, that um, your birth might not go as planned. So I think that both are very true. Jess is like a big advocate of the watch pot doesn't boil. So it I really hear that doesn't. from OBs a lot, but I, yep. I just interpret it as like, oh, we don't want to be here right now. Let's bail. Yeah. But with Jess, it's like legitimately yeah. like 
let's leave, let them do their thing. And it worked at a recent It does, yeah. So the sphincter opens once once they're not under pressure. Um, So I think think it's actually a combination of both. They have kind of like a thing back and forth that one is actually more than the other. Um, But I think it's actually like if you have a problem with not enough contractions or the baby's not in the right position or your pelvis is too small, your birth's not going to go as planned. But it's also the three P's that if you don't have privacy and stuff that you're, you're, it's not going to open up and you're not going to have a baby. So it's like melding those things together. So um, let's get to the point. What does this freaking have to do with V-backs? It means setting yourself up for a success. It for has a everything to it do does. with V-back. So I think that the three P's is really important when it comes to V-back because I feel like when a lot of people have cesareans, they're told like, oh, well, your pelvis wasn't big enough. Mm-hmm. Or that's you're like con- the number one thing is they put it on the mom. So that's yep. like that guilt complex or the like doubt. It, it was yeah. your body that was broken, right. which is not always, it can be true sometimes so so uncommonly there's like one type of pelvis yeah. that won't allow for vaginal but birth but there so can uncommon. be times when it's like you have a baby in a weird position that maybe that mom couldn't have a vaginal birth yeah, the pelvis. and then when the baby's in a right position it's better for them to have a, a vaginal birth so that so the three p's can be right in that but i think it's blamed a lot more often because also when it comes to or, or, or yeah that's the three p's when it comes to the sphincter law there's a lot of times when you give the mom the right conditions for sphincter law to work, like make her feel safe and everything. All of those three P things kind of go away because our brain can hold things back. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the things we've been talking about that can stop those things from happening? A bullshit list like that. Yeah. yeah. So if you have a guy like like, that that's staring at you going, your body doesn't work, you're not going to open. I just don't think your baby's going to fit through. You're not going to relax. We talk about power in in the context of contractions. It also has power over your situation, over over your body, body. over your domain. Um, And also, so not feeling safe enough, but um, also it's like... You also put in things like, oh, you get an epidural when you first get there. Then you have a mom who might have had a posterior baby that if she could move around would have been able to rotate right. and get into the pelvis. And one of those rules that, is you get an epidural immediately. Yeah. And that's our yep. and so now she's this, for failure. Put this robe on. Failure, get this catheter. Yeah. Get this epidural. You can't move. You're just you're stripping yeah. one layer of power away after another. And yeah. it's making the situation feel inherently unsafe, which is taking away out, like, out of control. from sphincter law so if you feel like you're unsafe or your baby's unsafe mm-hmm. your your um your cervix is not going to open up and i know so many moms who have had c-section after c-section after c-section and they would get stuck at like seven centimeters mm-hmm. and it's a very common place to be stuck but it's like the whole point is that if you make the right conditions for not only to help the three p's for baby to be in a good position for you to be contracting enough for your pelvis to be able to move out of the way with all of its relaxing. And then also to encourage sphincter law to feel safe enough for all of your sphincters to open up. You're creating a space to be able to have a successful VBAC. Right. And it's not to say that women can't do that in the hospital. Like women have successful vaginal births in the hospital. Oh, totally. You just have to feel empowered and you have to feel safe. And like you have to be be able to achieve that in that setting. And that usually, yeah, usually means information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because there are some moms who um, might try for a VBAC out of hospital because they can't find an in-hospital provider and they might not feel truly safe out of hospital, Mm -hmm. but they're just choosing it because they have no other choice and they also might not have a successful VBAC because they don't actually feel safe out of the hospital. So which is, it goes back to like, we really need to have moms give birth in the place that they feel safest. 
and then have providers in those places that support their choices. That will give them informed consent and and use evidence-based care and support their choices. And we talk about empowerment all the time, but I feel like we're in a place now where women are taking power back over themselves and we cannot mm-hmm. we cannot just rely on other people to give us what we want or what we need. Like no, you we need have to, to claim it. Yeah. Educate yourself. You need to be prepared. You need to yeah. like get everything you need for this successful VBAC, yep. VBAC. And then if you don't have a successful VBAC, if you have another cesarean, at least you've done everything that you can. Right. And that goes a long way mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've I've had women that have ended up with a C-section that are so happy. Yeah. Because they've literally They literally done did everything single that they happy. could do. I, I, that's a strong they're word. They're at peace but with it. Or they're yes, like... They, they feel like I did everything. It. And then there are other women that just... Yeah. Did, they, they, they don't. Yeah, I've totally had women who who had repeat cesareans that felt like their providers totally sabotaged. And I also felt as a doula that the providers totally sabotaged their chances that they totally could have had a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. And um, that goes a long way in how they process that birth experience. Um, okay, so we're running out of time. Yeah, so what we're going to do, we're going to... We're going to let Jess run uh, it. We're going to let Jess do her job. <laughs> This is the Jessica <laughs> McKee podcast. And we're just like tag alongs. <laughs> Meredith and Jessica. No, Meredith and Kim are her sidekicks. I'm just the laugh reel in the background. <laughs> That's only was, on this podcast. In real life, I'm always your sidekick. <laughs> we're each other's sidekick. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. Oh, we should do an episode on power dynamics. Power dynamics. Power do dynamics we have and birth. No, I don't think so. Well, I always get to trump Jessica because I use my license. I trump don't like card. that word. Can we not use that word in our podcast? She's the spade. I'm I, using the trump card before the word became tainted. She's like the she's like the Taint. black two of spades. <laughs> when we work I don't together. know what that means, but I like it. <laughs> Anyone who so plays spades will know. Do we want? I really want to close our yeah. podcast, which okay, we so are. So we have a story. Do we want to tell what our next episode is about before we? I think we read can just like re- go into this beautiful story. So um, can we say? Can we say? <laughs> can we stop slowing us down. Okay, Jessica, we'll do what you want. <laughs> so I think we're allowed to say whose story. Stop telling me. What, do what you want to do. <laughs> I'm giving her the death stare. I need a slinky. To <laughs> roll. Let's do what you want to do. I'm usually so flexible. I don't know what happens to me. You put this microphone in you front of my face. You put her in charge. She's become, power hungry. She's so power she's hungry. Tired. She's like eating the mic right now. Oh, There's like horns oh. coming out of her head. I love it. It's hot. Do it more. You need to walk around with a mic stuck to your face. I will. So you can, can you just always live your life say like what? a podcast? I can. You can say whatever you want just all the time. Except for curse words. <laughs> no, just not the C words. What's new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. She won't, say, she won't drop the F-bomb. Just either. play that game where it's like the hand one where you like squeeze in cuss words all the time, but it doesn't sound like a cuss word because it's another word. Good idea. I don't know what you're talking oh. about. So. Well, okay, next episode, but I'll I support perform the you. entire thing for you. Okay, so like Jess, re- you have to read this because I read it earlier today and I started okay. crying. So we're allowed yeah, to say whose to story say this is though, right? <laughs> yes, you can. Okay, so um, the, this is actually awesome because um, this is the um, age back after, or, okay, home birth after. Try c- again. Sorry. <laughs> home birth after two cesareans there of Chelsea, go. who is actually sponsoring this episode. And so yes. she sent us in her birth story. So we're going to read some of this, but also give kind of like our background and perspective on it. Um, and hopefully 
bring it around so it, it like makes sense to everybody how this story can help them. And do you have a video about the ending of the story? I do. Oh my goodness, we're gonna put that everywhere. So I want to give a little bit of background first that Chelsea had two cesareans, mm-hmm. and the second one she tried so hard to birth out yeah. of hospital, and things still did not work out for her. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like that is even harder than when you try so hard and it's like still doesn't work, even though yeah. you have like a great team. I was great, with her. I'm yeah. very comfortable saying that. Yeah, <laughs> she had a great team. She prepared so much. She, she really did, did everything. Mm-hmm. And she she still ended up with a cesarean. And so going into this third birth, really trying for this VBAC was really heavy mm-hmm. emotionally. Like, is there any way my body can do this? This right. is our last mm-hmm. ditch Hurrah. effort. Yeah. And so I'm going to I'm going to preface this by saying that we said that if she succeeded in pushing a baby out of her vagina, that we were going to set off fireworks fireworks. and she just giggled. And the reason for that was this for context. When did she have her baby? It was um, Oh, she says it. Uh, Shoot. It was in August. I forgot. Mike. It wasn't like fourth. But the reason for that is because she had said that a lot of moms and I've heard a lot of VBAC success moms say, I just felt like something more should have happened. More should have happened. And I said, Chelsea, if you push that baby out of your vagina, I'll fucking blow off fireworks outside your house. And she was like, nah. And I'm like, watch me. And then we never spoke of it again. Yeah. You know, Kim, but she would do that. Yes, of course. So she waited until. But she felt like she needed everything to be different for this third yeah. birth because mm-hmm. if you have things the same it can bring you back um, emotionally to that last last birth and mm-hmm. make you feel like patterns are repeating so she had a new midwife she had yeah. a new doula I was her doula yep. um, and I'm just gonna like I'm gonna skip I'm gonna do a spoiler alert and say she did push her baby out of her vagina she there were fireworks did. and, and there were fireworks. Kim did show up <laughs> at 9am even though she was not her midwife ordinance was but I was order. her it's friend. Fine. I got to she just her be friend. her friend. And, it was and she so showed nice. up with signs saying your vagina is amazing. There were and a yes. vagina drawn on the sign. I didn't draw a vagina. Too far. No, too it was much. too much. Okay. I just. And just set off fireworks and we danced in her front yard at like 9 a.m. Yeah, I waited until 9 a.m. So the police weren't called. Yeah. <laughs> so we have so we have a video of that that we're going to share on our social yeah. media. I so you can it. see how excited we were. So. Oh, my God. That she had. This I baby. literally was like all night long. Like, what's going on? What's yeah. happening? What's going on? <laughs> and I was like, I can't answer that question. It's a HIPAA violation. Stop texting me. Stop texting me. No, I will not. Also, the, just, Sorry, the, Chelsea, that was happening. That will acknowledge how powerful and how like important yes. it is to accomplish a vaginal birth after a cesarean, especially times two. And, like there are people out there that will honor and that. And like, support. Don't have to. Like, can you imagine if every mom who tries to have a, who has tries to have a VBAC has a community around her that cares so much that they would set off fireworks for her? Oh my God. It would be amazing. And yeah. moms would feel so amazing if they had that. Um, so let's just we're or just annoyed gonna, depends on the mom. Okay, but I would say mostly enough amazing. about us. Let's right. talk about let's Chelsea. Let's launch into her story. I'm gonna Shocking. so because we're running out of time. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out some of like the um, first stuff. So basically, um, she woke up in the morning and her water had started leaking, um, and she was not happy about this because that is what had happened with her first her second birth. So. It, again, going back to like these patterns like keep happening yeah. and it triggers like, oh gosh, this is how the last one happened. Does that mean this it's going to be the same ending? So she, but she also had a provider that she really trusted. An amazing kick-ass midwife. Yes. And so she texted her midwife, told her what was happening. 
It was tyranny. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to say. Awesome. And so this is where it comes into your provider because there's some providers that at that time would be like, well, now you need to come in and now you need to do X, Y, and Z. And this is a problem. And you make it feel like it's a problem. You make it feel like it's a clock on it. Yes. And and that is pressure. And so instead, she went to, she texted her midwife. Um, She had a prenatal appointment already scheduled that day. So she went in like five hours later. um, And her midwife was like, all right, we'll work some magic. We'll get it. So she went, so she went back to bed and she fell asleep. Um, She was nervous, but she was excited, which is important. She had some irregular contractions, um, but nothing crazy that morning. Um, Her sister-in-law came over, watched her kids, um, and then she came up with a plan together with her midwife. They checked the position to see if everything looked good, checked the heartbeat, um, and then together made a plan to try and get her into labor. So this goes out to me. Yeah. This is informed consent. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't her provider. Was, she was like, co- you have to do this and sign this right. paper because you have to do this. She collaborated her own yes. care with her provider who was comfortable with her situation. Together. Which made her feel like she had power over the situation. Yes. Together Which while is not really holding hands is, and yes. running through a field. And she specifically said, I trusted her to guide us in the right direction. And so she left this appointment feeling confident and excited. I really like this line because had she left that appointment feeling nervous and defeated that sphincter would have been held shut forever and ever yeah the story might have been completely different Mm -hmm. um so more big gushes at a restaurant she left an amniotic fluid stain on a seat (laughs) it was butt shaped yeah a butt shaped (laughs) amniotic i mean girl be proud of that i like excuse me you should mark this with the sharpie and leave it for people who want to go into labor because this will be a popular chair for women who want to go into labor i would have gone and sat in her butt print yeah i would totally (laughs) so they had decided on castor oil so she went home and she started her castor oil and decided to try and get some rest um so took another dose at around 4.30 p.m. So this is uh, 12 hours after her water had broken about. Um, she started feeling like attractions every 20 minutes. Um, there's a lot of people who 12 hours after your water had broken, this would have been a big deal. But her and her midwife were working together and it still was, you know, they were still working together, not making it into something they had to panic about. Went to the chiropractor. Dr. D, definitely encourage that. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Chiropractic care helps so much. Encouraged her, gave her, kind, gave her kind yep. words. Also, what? it feels like you're like doing something. You feel active in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they it really helps. Um, when she left the, the chiropractic office, she was having contractions every 10 minutes. Whoop, whoop. Um, Shocking. Took more <laughs> castor oil, started to make dinner, and now things are every four minutes, and it was hard to focus, which is always a good sign. Mm-hmm. If you can't play Monopoly, you're probably in labor. Yes, which is when... Um, I hate that game. <laughs> which is when Logan comes into the picture, her fantastic, Logan, amazing, so amazing, supportive husband. He rode in on a white horse with yeah. hair flowing behind him. <laughs> and he finished the dinner that she couldn't, you know, finish, that she couldn't th- think about anymore. He put the kids to bed and then um, sang the special bedtime songs to the kids. Then she took her last dose of castor That's fucking oil. cute. Yeah. Who does that? The Felties. So That's now who does that. it's around 8.30 and she texts her doula, me, that she wants me to come. Contractions were every four minutes and her back hurt. So I arrived around 9.30, she says. I don't remember if that's true or not. Um, but <laughs> I tucked her in and put a peanut ball between her legs is what, is what she says. She says she felt <laughs> contractions change and become really effective. And so I'm going to say how I saw this. So, I, so at this point, 
we felt really comfortable together. So her bedroom is dark. She has the only light is a salt lamp, um, which gives like this really nice glow. And I was laying next to her in bed. And so I would doze off and she would doze off. And oh my then, God, that's adorable. Yeah. So then contractions would I hope start. Photos of this. Oh my God. Contractions would start and I would rub her back through it. And then we'd both like fall back asleep. Oh, you were snuggling. Yeah. And, Somewhere, mm. I think that like Logan was sitting on a ball on the other side of her, and he was laying his head on the. He bed. was like, "Thanks, Jess, for taking my bed space." He was, laying, <laughs> he was laying his head on the bed next to her belly and doing the same thing through all of this and like being near her face. Um, so she rested for a bit, and then things really picked up, and she wanted to get in the tub. So it was when she got in the tub that like things, things really changed. Got really. She turned the corner. She turned the mm-hmm. corner, mm-hmm. and it was intense. And Katrina used to. Anyway, it's a story. I'm not. Hey, another Katrina. episode. Another episode. Yeah, but it was like so. I've and I had other comments about this that when you're starting to go through that really intense labor and you're a VBAC, like you have a lot of emotion. So it's not just the physical; it's also all that emotional. Like, is this pain I'm going through worth it? She had super intense. Or back. is this pain normal? Like, yeah, am I rupturing? Is, is this the pain they were talking about? It can bring a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. So she's like in the pool. And she she talked about this like I was reminding her to make low noises, but she was like re- her she was having such bad back labor and she was just basically flailing herself. What did she say? Pool. She said I looked like a swamp monster <laughs> contorting like my sw- body. Yes, she was just like <laughs> making these crazy noises and like throwing. There's water sloshing yes. everywhere, <laughs> and I'm trying like as hard as I can to like rub her back through it, <laughs> and she was like, "Bring me to the hospital." Yes. Care and Logan's looking at me like, holy (laughs) crap, crap, holy (laughs) poop. Yeah, and she didn't want to call the midwife until like the last possible minute. And so we end up around that time calling the midwife to come. And so she gets there and she says that she can hear her screaming from the car. And so she. So as a midwife, I'm like, oh shit. So she walks in and she looks at me. If anyone knows Tierney, she gives me this face like, oh (laughs) god. What's going on? <laughs> What's happening? Either baby's crowning or something's or. up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So she said the pain was horrendous and I wasn't sure how long I could keep going. Around 3 a.m. my midwife came. She could hear me screaming from the car. She said <laughs> I sounded like a wounded moose. <laughs> oh, God. I've, yeah. I've heard that. It's bad. I have not, but I'm envisioning it. It was. It, yeah. I felt so bad for her, but I also felt I felt bad for her, but I felt powerful for her because I really felt like what was happening was yeah. working. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said, I remember feeling calmer when Tierney came and she jiggled my back and butt, which helped slightly. Chicken I asked her apples. to check me and I think she waited about an hour. And so that goes back to like, if she wasn't as far along as she wanted to be, cause I don't think she'd ever dilated past five before. And so if she hadn't dilated mm-hmm. that far again, it can, there's some of that fear. Right? Some of that fear is like once yeah. you get to a new place in your labor past where you did the first one, it gives you that relief, which can make you release those hormones. They're like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Um, so she waited like an hour. And when she checked, she was nine centimeters. So whoop everyone whoop. was really surprised and excited because she never dilated that before. At that point, because she had gotten to that point, she said, even with such intense pain, I remember being excited and everything felt safe and right. Um, so she didn't feel, it's so important to feel yeah. safe when you're mm-hmm. in labor. Um, then she says, as soon as the baby rotated, the back labor went away. And I felt much more in control. Pain was totally bearable. And I actually like pushing. So she started pushing shortly after that. She was pushing on the bed. 
Um, and then we suggested that she try and sit up and squat. So she got up on the side of the bed and did like the yeah. hanging squat where mm-hmm. she was sitting between Logan's yeah, legs. And he was I love that. That's, that's so as soon as she got awesome. on into that position, the baby's head like immediately there started it was. showing. Yeah. Which for even for me, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I see her baby. <laughs> we do get really excited yeah. in that <laughs> moment. It's going to come out. I see it. Um, and so From she said, her vagina. <laughs> it seemed yeah. like she came so fast after that. I think it was about 10 minutes and she was born. Um, wow. Someone placed a mirror so Logan and I could see the birth and that was amazing. I remember wanting to look but not wanting to look at the same time. Um, she was nervous about the ring of fire. Um, she said which she never really felt as intense as she had heard. She made a lot of noise but it wasn't crazy painful. Um, she worked hard to push the baby out and I remember this too. She said my midwife was so patient and just held her hands close by to catch the baby. There was no manipulating her head. She never stuck her fingers inside me. She talked so sweetly to my baby, Aww. telling her that she was safe. And I was actually, me as a doula who had by this point been to a hundred plus births. Were you teary? I wouldn't say I was teary, but I was like touched by it where yeah. she was just like her, the baby's head is out, which for some people is a really intense. Oh, it's a panic yeah. moment. It's a very intense time. Yeah. And tyranny is just like, hi, it's, baby. Hey, you. You're safe. <laughs> Welcome to the world. Aww. Everything's fine. Your mom's doing such a great job. And it, which is funny because you're so focused on the mom feeling safe, like you yep. overlook that sometimes. That so it's is really so cool. awesome. But it also made everyone else in the room feel yeah. safe, which goes back to our conversation we had last time, where it's like if the midwife's not panicking, everyone else feels safe, which makes the birth go smoother. Yeah. Um, so that she said, the feeling of my baby slipping out from my body and being hand to me was like nothing I've ever felt. She was earthside at 5.33 in the morning on August 3rd on my bedroom floor surrounded by people who knew and loved her. Just how we all hoped and prayed she'd be born. I can't even describe the feeling of relief, surprise, bewilderment, and joy. I said, I did it. I did it. I pushed <laughs> a baby out of my vagina. Yes, you yes, did. Yes, you did. And I have the most amazing picture of her. And I'm going to look back and it to make sure that it's like PG rated. But or at I, least PG-13. I caught this picture where she had covered her mouth like with her hands. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. Mm-hmm. And her face just had this amazing feeling. She was oh holding her God. baby in her arms yeah. and she was still squatting on the side of the bed. I love that picture. Um Victory. And so she said, it was amazing. I want to relive that moment every day. Um, the, she birthed her placenta almost immediately. Then she nursed. Um, and she still does three and a half years later. So she said the best part of the day, besides birthing my H back 2C baby on my bedroom floor like a boss, was seeing Kim and Jess dancing in my front <laughs> yard with fireworks and a poster about how awesome my vagina is. <laughs> so, yes. And and I think that this is so important. Everything like, yeah. she like touches on yeah, for is a, everything we, we were talking about. For a mom to be like, I want to relieve that moment every day. Yeah. Even though it was painful, even though it was hard, she felt so supported Empowered. and so proud of herself and, and so empowered. Safe. She could take that into the rest mm-hmm. of her life. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why it matters. Yeah. yeah. Whenever a mom asks like we were out one night and this mom was like, or this woman was like, why does it matter how a baby comes out? They just come yeah. out. And it was like, clearly you have no, no idea yep. what impact this has on a woman's life. You remember mm-hmm. it for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so that's why it goes back to like, if you haven't listened to our episode about informed consent, like informed consent 
And accurate information is so, so important. Education. And meeting moms. Please educate yourself. Yeah, and meeting moms where they're at and making them feel supported. And it just makes such a huge difference. Indeed. All right, we went right over. That was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Oh, well. So if what's we our go on an episode? This is a good. This one to is go a good one. Yeah. So what's our episode about next week? So next week we are—I forgot again. We're tackling postpartum. <laughs> postpartum. <laughs> so we we're going to come up with a better name than that. We just had this we're amazing V back. So yeah, we're going to talk about the postpartum period. I know next I'm week. experiencing Chelsea's like V back. Yeah, high. I'm I just like want to let people know, even if you don't have people doing, doing like fireworks for you in your yard, it yeah. won't feel like that. Yes, <laughs> but, but you should have people doing fireworks yeah. in your yard. Don't you, put that in your birth plan. I want yeah. people to have fireworks. Anybody in our yard. who gives birth in any way deserves. Something yeah, fireworks, the hardest thing you'll little, ever do. At least a little pst, popper. Yeah, like, <laughs> the poppers. We could just throw them on the floor, just or like, just throw them at them. Yeah, <laughs> they're like great. There's confetti in my vagina. Thanks, guys. Awesome. <laughs> you don't bedazzle your vagina. <laughs> That's a new episode. Okay. Only when I go to naked spa. Oh yes. <laughs> After so, our scrub. So soon. Okay, so we're gonna talk about postpartum next time. Yeah. If there's anything you want to specifically hear or ask about or talk about or hear us talk about, send it to our email. Yeah. Wineaboutbirth at gmail.com. Things that you think are important for new parents to know about the postpartum mm-hmm. period because I don't feel like it's planned for nearly enough or people know what to expect nearly Think, enough. Yeah, things or that made a huge... poop stories, like <laughs> explosive poop stories. We want funny yeah. things too. About your baby. Things that helped you <laughs> that yourself. other moms... Yeah, or yourself. Yeah. <laughs> One right. or the other. Awesome. Yeah, and thank you again, Chelsea, for not only your amazing birth story, but for sponsoring this episode. Chelsea Felty Photography. Yeah, check her out on Facebook. Um, she knows how important it is, so she like gets in there and makes sure you get really good photos oh, of your experience. so good. She does an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that's all we have to say. So for everybody out there who listened to us talk about V-backs for this past hour-ish. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for doing take. that. All we have to say to you is Cheers. cheers. See you next week. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Pussycat. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs>